Welcome to the Addiction Connection podcast, connecting the hope of the gospel with the heart of addiction. I'm your host, Mark Shaw, and today I am joined in this podcast with a, a dear friend, uh, a big huggable guy, like kind of like me, <laughs> Ben Funkhauser. Hi, Ben. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Can I call you a big huggable guy? Or have I gone too far? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. No, that's fine. I I hugged the guy. I don't usually hug people, but since you said it, I hugged the guy a few weeks ago, <laughs> and then four days later I found out he was positive with the coronavirus, so I decided I should put hugging people right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I didn't know that. That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. you're you're not Mr. Um, touchy-feely, huggy kind of guy, but you're just... You're somebody that uh, I feel safe with, and I think a lot of the people that come to the refuge where you're the executive director of that program in Iowa, uh, Winterset, Iowa, you're a guy yeah. people feel safe with, and that's what I meant by hugging. I, I don't want you yeah. to get the coronavirus, you know. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> I, I figured until the coronavirus thing is done, which who knows when that will be, I should probably avoid hugging yeah. people just because that makes life complicated That's right, right now. <laughs> yeah, even handshakes and all that. You know, it's so funny. I was watching uh, some of the postseason baseball, and I watched a little football. Yeah. And those guys, they all wear masks, but then they run up and they hug and touch and tackle and spit yeah. and slobber and, you know, all this on each other. And at the end of the game, put on our masks, you know. And it's right. it just seems like such a uh, – uh, joke to me really hypocritical <laughs> i'm not sure that the logic is always there and all that but <laughs> right I'm also about a, a doctor so well now the what's the website so i can direct people to the web website it's yeah our website is uh refugewinterset.com refugewinterset.com yep. yeah and they can get all the information there about our program and we're excited. We've got another guy coming today, which will put us at um, six guys in phases Man. one or two. We got one guy in phase three who's still living at the house. So we're getting pretty full, and guys are doing some good stuff. Yeah. Well, I, I love what you guys are doing and uh, always want a chance to promote what you're doing the refuge, taking the light of the gospel into the darkness of addiction. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. So. Thanks for being on today. Well, this yeah. particular podcast is about the myths of addiction. And what I've done is I took 10 myths that Dr. Dodis, I think I, I have said his name incorrectly as Dodes, but it's D-O-D-E-S and it's pronounced Dodis, which, you know, I never knew until I heard him on a, on oh. a program the other day. But this guy is a guy that I like. He's outspoken. He's secular. He's not a Christian guy. He doesn't believe addiction is a spiritual problem. He deals with it more from a humanistic, emotional kind of that problem that like anger, anger is the root of it in his mind. Um, and his myths are actually really good. We agree with his myths. And you're going to talk about myth number nine that says people with addictions are impulsive. And so we agree with this. We just want to help people to see it more from a biblical perspective uh, and and take the myth further. Um, and before we do that, I want to read Romans 14, verse 12, which I'm going to read verse 11. It's so good. Uh, it's talking about yeah. the judgment of God. It says, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me 
and every tongue shall confess to God. Then verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. And that will be kind of our, our framework verse as we talk about this, because the myth we're attacking, and Ben's going to help me with this, is myth number nine by Dr. Dotus, which says people with addictions are impulsive. And we uh, agree that that is a myth. So Ben, do you want to speak to that first? And I'll just listen in. Yeah. So just some thoughts on, on this myth and what the, um, you know, how we can think about it biblically, uh, a few things and and you have influenced my thinking on this a lot, but uh, believing that addictions or what we would call life dominating sins are impulsive or compulsive allows people to be able to blame shift and avoid taking responsibility for their actions. And I think that ties back into that Romans 14 verse that you just read that we're all going to have to give an account before God. And so there is a responsibility before God for our actions that we can't just um, say that I have no control over what I'm doing. Cause that's, that's where the, the compulsive or impulsive words point us is to this idea that it's outside of my control to stop doing the things that, are leading to, you know, addiction and life dominating sin. And so, um, and, and really I think it, it leads people to think that they're helpless and that leads to hopelessness. Um, because if you really believe that your struggle with addiction is compulsive, it, the, the end of logical thinking that you get to is there's nothing I can do to change this. I just have to try to deal with it for the duration of my life. And I think the Bible offers hope. Um, that takes us on a much different path. And, and you were very clear about this in your book, The Heart of Addiction, that, you know, they're not compulsive. They might seem compulsive, but really um, God has created us as people to form habits. And we can form either good habits or destructive habits. And when we form destructive habits, they can become so almost automatic that the behavior seems compulsive, like it's outside of our control, but it's really not. And to really just kind of summarize with the help of the Holy Spirit um, through a personal relationship with Jesus, we can begin to stop the, the sinful behaviors that lead to all the um, destruction in our lives. Yeah, I love that. I think what you're talking about is the lack of hopeless uh, of hope, the lack of hope that is in the world's approach to addiction by calling something compulsive, which the word compulsive just really means an irresistible urge that you're, you're, you know, and it says even acting against one's own conscious wishes. So they're acting in a way they can't help it. They don't want to do it, blah, blah, blah. But that really, like you said, I, I think hope is at the, 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 is the important core belief of what we're trying to talk about here because the biblical approach talking about habits as, something we learn, something we cultivate. And yes, they're in yeah. our thought life and they happen so quickly that we sometimes think it's impulsive or compulsive, but really there's some planning involved and, and all that. I think yeah. that's a great point. It's, it all comes down to hope in our approach. We want people to have hope. Right. Absolutely. And one of the other thoughts, you know, and I, I remember reading um, Jay Adams, a little booklet on uh, disciplining yourself for godliness and just talking about all the ways that habits impact our lives. 
um, from simple things like putting on your shoes and brushing your teeth and, and driving a car to, you know, much bigger things, but understanding that without the God given ability for habit, um, things that take no time at all would take a very long time. And it's, it's really a gift of God that he's created us this way and understanding how habits work in our life is what can really lead to, um, lasting freedom and transformation through the gospel because we begin to see that destructive habits are not just stopped, but they have to be replaced. And that's, I think a key thing for helping people who are struggling with addiction is it's not just about not doing the bad thing, but God is calling us to put on something that is God honoring in place of the bad thing. That's right. Yeah. And there's hope in that too, that you're not just powerless and you're always going to struggle and you can't help it. And you're going to, you know, always be a victim to this. We want people to be victorious and to recognize Mm -hmm. that habits can be replaced. Like you said, uh, in their thoughts, in their words and in their actions, you know, we're habitual creatures in all of those areas, people think about habits just yeah. in actions, but really how you respond to something, you can habitually uh, relearn how to respond to things. That's what most of counseling is is doing. It's helping people think differently about what stimulates them, what stimuli they're, they're yeah. responding to, think differently about it, talk differently about it, and then act in a different way than you used to act. And that's what you do at the refuge with addiction counseling. And and I'd say this too about habits. Jay Adams used to talk about the four characteristics of habits, that they were automatic, unconscious, skillful, and comfortable. So in that yeah. sense, that's why they look to be compulsive. Yes. Yeah. Now, this is good. Yeah, And I think that's all, that's all really good stuff. And it's just, like Ephesians 4 is a passage that I was looking at. I know you referenced that um, in your book when you're talking about are these things really compulsive um, and, and how we change behavior. But Ephesians 4, 22, kind of jumping in in the middle of the chapter, but it says to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Mm-hmm. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind to put on a new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. And I think that process, as you said, it starts in our minds, in our thinking, because so many of our battles of sin are, are lost in our minds and our thinking before we're ever actually physically sinning in whatever way uh, we might be prone to uh, give into our sin. Because, um, you know, it's it's in our mind that we can, can uh, ask the Holy Spirit, in our mind and our hearts, where we need to stop that process can ask the Holy Spirit if someone knows Jesus and has the Holy Spirit in them to help us turn away and turn to something else. And I know in my own life, in my struggles with sin, those moments when I do that, um, there's power that comes. Even if it's just a quick prayer that says, God, I don't want to do this. My mind is starting to go to a place that it should go. Help me to turn away from this in a way that honors you. Um, those little things are a big, a big help in being victorious in those situations. Amen. Yeah, you, you, you talk about Ephesians 4, 20 through 24, and I just think that's the, the practical way we all change, and it starts with verse 20 yeah. and 21 about the truth is in Jesus, and so as you embrace truth, yeah. as you embrace Christ uh, and start there with what's true, then what that does in verse 22, it shows me, oh, my goodness, I need to put off. I need I need to get rid of some things that are 
in my old manner of life, my old way of living. Addicts need that especially, and um, and that all that is corrupt. So I've been corrupted with deceitful desires, meaning I've desired the wrong things, and it's tricked me, and so I've got to put that off. And then to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, that's a work of the Holy Spirit, like you talked about, Ben. That That's that's a new habit. That's where a new desire for a new habit begins in my mind, in my thought life, in my words, in my actions. And then I put that on. I do that. Um, and that could be a new thought I'm putting on, a new word, a new action. But I create that. Yeah. All that's created after the likeness and of God and righteousness and holiness. And, and that's really the process of change. And, you know, I think with... Dr. Dotus, uh, in reading his book, The Heart of Addiction, it's the same name as my book, The Heart of Addiction. Uh, I won't tell you which one I think is better, but uh, <laughs> but he, um, in his book, he talks about, you know, there's lots of planning that goes into an episode mm-hmm. of addiction. Like that people think, oh, I just woke up and rolled out of bed and smoked some pot and this and that. I mean, it, there's a lot of planning and effort that goes into living a life of a drug addict. Now, the more you practice that and do that, it becomes quicker and more easy. But yes. um, it is a a planned um, type of lifestyle. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I think you're you're right on when you say there is lots of planning. Um, and at the beginning of these sinful habits. It might take a lot longer. It might be harder, um, but there's planning that goes into it. And I think it's not just with the with the big sins of you know like drugs and alcohol, but you think of things like pornography and um, even like overeating. There's there's planning and thought that go into all these things. You have to make decisions that lead you down that path, um, and then the path just becomes so well worn that it becomes a lot easier to go down that path and. And once you've done something once or twice, it becomes a lot easier to just keep returning there. And I think that's why the scriptures will call us um, in Matthew 5 to be radical um, and, and cut off these things um, and to take, you know, just radical amputation to say, I'm, I'm cutting off the sin and the paths of sin because I've, you know, we've, we've got these habits. Now we're making these plans a whole lot easier and a whole lot quicker and, you know, it's just uh, something that we can rinse and repeat without um, really having to think about it too much. That's um, right. But, yeah. And, and again, that's why it looks compulsive or impulsive is it, it's just rinse and repeat. I like that. You know, it's, it's, it's something you become habitual, automatic. And like Jay said, uh, those four characteristics are just so true that they're the habits are yeah. automatic, unconscious, skillful, comfortable. I mean, skillful, you do it well. And comfortable, you, yep. it begins to be where you prefer to live. Yeah. Yeah, and then it just takes, you know, I've, I've talked with, with many guys at the at the refuge, and we've got a guy right now who God is really doing a great work in his life. and He's a young man that we've ministered to in various ways for four years. Um, trying to get him to go to other residential programs before we had the refuge up and running because he just needed so much help. And, and he's beginning to see just how, although he had these habits and these lifestyles, um, it was just this empty, non-fulfilling cycle in his life. And it was easy because that's what he knew. Uh, But now that he knows Christ and now that God's changing him, 
it's he's seen that that was a very destructive, hard way to live. And I always think of the proverb, and it just, I don't know the reference, but I know in, in the King James, which is what I first heard it and memorized it in, it says that the way of the transgressor is hard. And so, you know, when we're living in a way of sin, even though it's habitual and it's automatic, it is hard. And it, it leads to destruction in our lives. And without Christ, it can lead to eternal destruction, which is why, um, you know, worldly ideas of hope for people who um, struggle with addiction and these habitual sins, um, they might be able to give them a better life now, but if they don't have Jesus, um, what is a profit of man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? And so it's still, um, in the end, empty and not what they need. That's so. right. Yeah, it's, uh, it is. The way of the transgressor is hard, and I just think um, the in our microwavable, I want it quick, I want it now society, and, and I'm part of that too, we tend to not value hard work and effort and cultivating yeah. habits. And, and uh, so that's why I appreciate what you guys are doing at the refuge there in Winterset, Iowa. Uh, you're taking the light of the gospel into the darkness of addiction and giving guys an opportunity to create new habits new ways of living, yeah. new schedule, new, you know, to trust the church, to begin to open up to people and be transparent and to, um, and all the other millions of things you guys do there to help those guys learn a different way and really learn to trust God. So thanks for what you do. The web website is refugewinterset.com. They're in Winterset, Iowa, refugewinterset.com. And, uh, and we are almost out of time, but I want to give Ben a chance to to say anything, Ben, you haven't said already. Go for it. Well, the last thought I had, and it'll be brief, is just that the reason that our program um, at the Refuge is a total of seven months long, for at least for our residential portion, we try to keep guys, uh, stay in touch with them longer than just a residential portion, but the seven months is because you don't get into these destructive habits overnight and you don't get out of them and put on new habits overnight. And right. I think that's the thing that we struggle with. We fight against the guys who come to the program is that after 30 or 60 days, they begin to think they've got something figured out. And, and we try just to encourage them in the Lord that, that you've got a good start, but now you need to learn to live this out in a way that it becomes the new habit of your life and the new pattern of your life. And uh, it's just something that takes time. And that's why we want to keep guys around for a longer period of time. That's awesome. Yep. It, it makes sense. Well, we're out of time. Thank you, Ben, for being on the podcast. And I uh, hope you'll join me again soon. And, uh, and to our listeners, thank you for being with us today. Tune in next time as we take on issues relating to the heart of addiction because we believe in the hope of the gospel. Thanks. Thank you.